Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get started. I wanted to take just a quick moment to thank you all who continually support and listen to James Miller Lifeology. I have been so blessed and honored by your continual support. I wanted to make sure that you don't miss out on anything exciting that's happening over here. So make sure you sign up for my free newsletter at jamesmillerlifeology.com. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you look at what motivates you. I'll also be interviewing Yun Ro, a Taoist monk who reviews his book, The Mad Monk Manifesto, a prescription for evolution, revolution, and global awakening. This book was not only inspired by ancient Eastern wisdom, but it's a tour guide for consciousness, a recipe for personal development, a prescription for environmental restoration, and a helpful handbook for social change. For more information about Yun Ro, please visit monkyunro.com. That's M-O-N-K-Y-U-N-R-O-U.com. You may also purchase his book in the previous guest's section in the stores at jamesmillerlifeology.com or at lifeology.tv. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology. Are you struggling today to find your purpose? Has mediocrity set in and you can't imagine doing the same thing for the rest of your life? Are your relationships struggling or you aren't sure how to make long lasting changes in your life? Then today, contact me, James Miller. I will help you recognize the areas in your life that are going really well. And then we'll look at the areas in which you are struggling. We will create actionable solutions to help you create long lasting changes in your life. You don't have to do this alone. Go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out the form and it will be sent directly to me. Don't let another day go by without finding your way. Your change can start today. Once again, go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out that form to get started today. What motivates you? When you were a child, I'm sure there are many times that you dreamed of having a certain toy and it was all you thought about. You did your chores, you made sure your homework was done just in the hopes that your parents would purchase you that toy. There's really no difference in the adult version of that When we want a specific toy, if you will, we do everything we can to get it. Now, it doesn't mean it's healthy that we get it because sometimes our responsibilities change and we do things just to get that hit of dopamine or serotonin. We're like, oh my gosh, I have this toy. I'm so excited. And then unfortunately, the novelty of it wears off and then that cycle starts up again. You see something else, which is a distraction of your life that you want and that then motivates you to do the same cycle over and over again. Before we move down here to Florida, I was looking at all these huge mansions. (laughs) I couldn't afford them. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm going to use the law of attraction and I want this house. So I'm looking at a house that had 13 bedrooms. Now, seriously, what am I going to do with 13 bedrooms? But what motivated me was I wanted something that was big and great and grand. And that was my motivation because that made sense to me as I looked at the next chapter of my life. But when I came to Florida, I actually downsized significantly from when I lived in the DC area. My point in saying that is this, when we want a change in our life, sometimes we look for external things to validate that change. So what we do is we look for something that can alter our brain chemistry to get us that hit of dopamine or that hit of serotonin. For example, on social media, did you know that every time you get a like or a new follower, that your brain has a hit of dopamine? And as we know, dopamine is one of those feel-good chemicals that we all like to experience. So when you get a hit of dopamine, it causes you to want to do more of that. 
So your motivation is, if I post more things, I will get more dopamine, which makes me feel better. If you look at social media and you only get one like or two likes, you get disappointed by that. And unfortunately, that decreases your serotonin in your mind because you want to get a hit off of that. Look at other things in your life. What motivates you to change? Do you do things for external validation? Do you do things for financial success or for financial gain? There's nothing wrong with having clear-cut goals, but if your motivation for doing certain things is not a healthy, long-lasting return, unfortunately, you're working harder and not smarter. What I mean by that is this. You can pay for fancy toys. You can put the best posts on social media, but at the end of the day, none of that matters. What matters is what you do for your family, for your friends, for your community. Those acts of kindness, those acts of humanity, or those acts of a sentient being causes you to create an environment which changes your brain chemistry, which changes your physiology. The motivation for why we do things is often very selfish. Many times we do things for people because we hope that they think, wow, James, you're a great person, or she did an amazing job at that, and I have to tell everybody about that. And once again, that is a false sense of a hit of dopamine that doesn't last. You get it for a split second and then it's gone. When you do things in a very altruistic way, or in other words, when you do something for someone just because it's the healthy thing to do, your body actually changes. The chemistry that happens is long lasting. Did you know that people who volunteer in their community or who do things for others, that is correlated with living longer because your body responds to benevolence. Your body responds to compassion. Your body responds to all these acts that we were designed to do for others. So you could do everything you want and your motivation could be very selfish, but unfortunately you are doing yourself a disservice and you're not going to change your environment, nor are you going to give your body and your mind and your spirit the health that it needs. So the choice is yours. Be mindful of your motivation. Do you do something that's an artificial version of success or an artificial version of wanting to make yourself feel better to distract? Or do you simply give back to others in a loving, benevolent way because that's the healthy and right thing to do? You're going to hear me and my guest, Monk Yoon Ro, talk more about this in the interview, but I wanted to give you some food for thought to ask yourself, what motivates me to do what I do? Did you know I have a YouTube channel? That's actually how Lifeology started. I have well over 155 episodes that I've created specifically for you. I do know that many people struggle with listening to a full 30-minute show. So these episodes are about three minutes long. Each episode will give you a practical tool or technique that you can practice daily to help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Simply go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, or go to YouTube and search for my name, James Miller Lifeology. Monk Yunro has been called the new Alan Watts. Born Arthur Rosenfeld in New York City, he studied at Yale, Cornell, and the University of California, and was ordained a Taoist monk in Guangzhou, China. He is a host of the hit national television show, Longevity Tai Chi. He's also the author of more than 15 books and has countless articles. Monk Yunro began his formal martial arts training in 1980 and has received many awards for his work. Mad Monk Manifesto is his first book with Mango Publishing. Yunro writes, teaches, and speaks in South Florida and around the world. Welcome to my show. Thank you so much for having me on. That was a mouthful for me to read because you've done so much. I know that doesn't even encompass everything you've done. So that is a little snippet of it. So it's going to be great to talk with you today. First off, from where are you calling? Uh, you're in South Florida. Port Lauderdale area, yeah. Okay, very, I didn't realize we were that close. I'm actually in Palm Beach area. So we're very Oh, close. I didn't know that at all. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so help me understand. So you were born in New York City, a young Jewish boy, and all of a sudden I'm speaking to a Taoist monk. How did that transition happen? 
So, uh, you know, one, one thing we can do to credit the trajectory is to say right away that it didn't happen like that. It's like getting on the bright line, you know, and saying, I'm going yeah. to go to Miami uh, and, and I get on and, I, and, and the next thing I know, I'm in West Palm. But, yeah. you know, there are many stops along the way. That's and, and so, you know, I, I think um, I, I used to watch... Uh, David Carradine's Kung Fu TV show. Yes, I remember and, that. And, and I love that show. And despite, <laughs> his, despite his execrable martial arts, I really did like his the persona that he conveyed. And although people <laughs> say, you know, that that was supposed to that role should have gone to Bruce Lee and all that. Aside from all the politics of it, I, I just loved those flashbacks to the old. Uh, Shaolin mm-hmm. Temple training mm-hmm. days. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the Shaw Brothers Kung Fu movies too. And and in those movies, you know, the most impressive thing to me was not so much all the butt kicking, but uh-huh. rather that equilibrium that I saw in those monks. And yes. that time, yeah. you know, New York, it was a very fractious place. The day, in the days that I grew up, there was a lot of street crime and violence, and it was loud and noisy and fast. And I guess I was wired differently. And I, I, I saw some kind of succor in that example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I was one of my one of my favorite shows as a little boy as well. And I always liked the flashbacks as well. And I was like, how could I become one of those? And for me, I'm, anything that has to do with martial arts. I, I Many people don't know this, but I studied martial arts for years as well. Um, and so I was really happy to have you on this show, especially the Tai Chi component. That was one of my favorite uh, for meditation. And just this the connection between mind, body, and spirit is one of my favorite things to do as well. So let's help us understand what is a Taoist monk? Well, first of all, you know, there's not so very many of us, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, Buddhist monks are commonly seen in different countries, especially in Southeast Asia and, and a little bit less now, of course, in East Asia because of what's going on there politically. But Taoist monks are, you know, I read somewhere in a relatively authoritative tome that there may be 50,000 or so Taoist monks in the world and, and obviously, you know, in the United States, not so many. Um, you know, there, there are some courses now that you sort of online stuff you can take and get ordained oh, wow. the same way you can get ordained uh, to be a minister or whatever. But we're not, I'm not talking about those folks. I'm talking about, sure. you know, people who are genuinely in it. Uh, so uh, there are as many different sects of Taoism, as many different lineages and traditions, mm-hmm. maybe more even than there are of uh, in our Western religions, and you wow. know there are different there are different rules for them. So, like you know, I'm 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 allowed to be intimate and to be married and to have a mm-hmm. family, and uh, I, I'm not told what to eat. Although most Taoist monks are vegetarian, and I am vegan. Um, but, you know, the main thing to understand is that my particular role as issued to me by my abbot uh, right. was, you know, not to be the guy who stayed in the monastery and swept the floor and cleaned the toilets sure. and cooked the beans, but to be the guy who came to the West and, and spread these ideas, which is why we are on the show today. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's really exciting. You know, your, your book itself, Mad, The Mad Monk Manifesto, A Prescription for Evolution, Revolution and Global Awakening, it's, it's, so, it's chock full of so many different things. I mean, I, I believe it's about four or five sections you have that really break down to all the different areas of one's internal self, one's society, one's the governmental aspects, and one's spirituality as well. Let's jump into that. You know, I know the first section is called Relaxing and Rectifying. Help us understand what that concept means for you or for the Taoist monk. 
So r- relaxing is not kicking uh, back with a brew in your hand and the ball game on and, uh, you know, some chips. Uh, re- relaxing is has a physical connotation uh, in the martial arts, as I'm sure you know, but it mm-hmm. also has this emotional and mental connotation, which is to be free of re reactions as opposed to responses to be free of the sort of knee jerk speed and greed world in which we live and to conduct our lives um, in a more emotionally and rationally measured fashion uh, the rectifying part you know some people balk a little bit at the notion that we you know we need fixing there's sort of a new age meme into which Taoism doesn't so clearly fit although New Agers always try to co-opt uh, the Taoists, uh, <laughs> but 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 uh, you know that that nothing needs fixing, that we're all perfect the way we are, and all that, and and you know Taoists don't have any of those ideas. We just see ourselves as part of a great continuum of mm-hmm. nature, mm-hmm. Um, of specifically you know living things, but also of the inanimate world. And the idea that we have things that are make causing suffering for us, whether they are physical ills, prejudices, limitations in thinking, mm-hmm. preconceptions about the world. When, when we say rectify, we want to go through and do some work to free ourselves and make ourselves more healthy through specific guidelines and practice. So that's what that means. And would that be more for the freeing oneself or to work through those things? Is it more universal as far as with everyone together or more, more intrinsic, more internal? So we use this metaphor of the uh, stone dropping in a pond and, mm-hmm. and the stone is us. Uh, and so when we make changes to ourselves, to our behaviors, to our beliefs, to our preconceptions, to our prejudices, to our judgments, uh, to our habits, then the effects ripple out like the, the, the ones in that pond. And, and, and first, of course, the circles are small and close to the stone, but as they get bigger and they move further from the point of impact, the diameter grows greatly. So the idea is, of course, that we, we make changes to ourselves and then other people notice. So sure. maybe like I, I, I've recently been using this example of um, the Thanksgiving turkey. So, you know, the family gets together and, mm-hmm. and you just decided to go vegan. <laughs> so everybody says, well, you know, have a piece of turkey. You go, no, no, thanks. I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. And they go, come on. I, I. And everybody razzes you. And I, you know, mm-hmm. you're, a, you're, a, you're a rabbit. You're eating rabbit food and all that. But then the next year when you get back together and everybody sees how lean and fit and awake mm-hmm. you are, how healthy and sharp is your mind, how you're flexible and you're not rubbing your low back and you're not uh, belching up tryptophan and going to sleep on the couch. Then you know some one other person in your family might mm, notice. Sure. Go, wow! I, I'd like to look like him and be like mm-hmm. her, and you know, so on. So that you know, the ripples go out, and then of course we go to community, and then we go to our towns and our cities, and eventually out into the entire natural world. So we we hit yeah. environmentalism in the book too with this way. Well, and another way to look at it as well is the chaos the chaos theory, as far as the butterfly. You know, the butterfly. Um, flaps its wings, all of a sudden it can affect like a hurricane around the world. And so the same concept as well is that can be used in a healthy way or can be used in an unhealthy way as far as the, um, the relaxing and rectifying that you're, that you're talking about. Because if we're not aware of that, like you're saying, we are changing our environment. We are changing the people around us. And that's up to us to determine if it's for the healthier part or for the, for the negative. 
So that's right. And and I think, you know, you can use the butterfly metaphor too. Um, the reason why I guess I like uh, the stone uh, description is that it's quite precise in terms of outward radiation from close to us sure. to far makes away, sense. right? Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. The rings make sense. Yeah, that does make sense. So the second part of it is rebalancing daily life and lifestyle choices. That one makes sense, but I want to hear your, your take on that one. So, you know, this is, this is where we begin to ask ourselves how many of the things that we believe and therefore follow with action are actually ideas that are in our best interest. So one might mm -hmm. be, for example, the notion of trading and uh, a non-renewable resource, time, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for a renewable one, money. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once we have satisfied the requirements of shelter and food and family, you know, a community, then everything else there that we are chasing after, uh, a fancy car, a corner office, uh, a bigger house and all that, these are learned behaviors that are functions of our system. And invariably, they benefit someone else, the, the, those who are foisting these ideas upon us, then they benefit us. So when we look at these things critically, we can begin to make some changes in the way we live based on those newfound insights and that newfound freedom. Which makes sense, the whole rebalancing part. You take the things that were once the most healthiest to you or most, um, most important to you, and it's just the rebalancing of kind of just re-identifying re what makes sense to you, almost like a different metric of success or a different metric of fulfillment. Yes, but also I, might, I want to add one sort of important dimension of that is mm -hmm. that things that you may find most important to you you are not the final arbiter of you in the end. Oh, okay. So there is there is some larger set of ideas and natural laws and forces and the way things work outside of you and through you. And so, you know, we, we may be victims to beliefs that we haven't ever challenged. And we may think that that big screen oh, TV see. is okay. the most important sure. thing to us. But what we want to do is try to grow to a higher level of awareness and consciousness in the world and see what that does to us. Sure, right. sure. I, I, like, I appreciate that addendum to that because that, that makes a lot of sense to me. The, the third one examines the Taoist wisdom to fostering community and deepening culture. That will be interesting. Right, so, you know, these things don't, these changes and those ripples that we talked about mm -hmm. uh, are not constrained within the point of impact. So, you know, we begin to see, I used the vegan example, but Pretty quickly, we will run up against um, uh, conflicts and pushback when we introduce new ideas into a culture. And so I have this uh, little metaphor in the book about door number one, door number two, and door number three. The door number one is, uh, you know, we have uh, a conflict. Uh, you, you know, you push me, I push back. Hey, 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 mm -hmm. hey, hey, hey. Mm -hmm. And then we got two strutting, you know, we got two <laughs> strutting peacocks pecking at each other, right? Uh, yeah. You know, door number two is, you know, you, you, you shove me and then I grovel at your feet and go, oh, may I spit shine your shoes for you? You're right. I'm, I'm a worm. I'm not, you know, and, and that, <laughs> second, extreme. that second one is very extreme, but it's yielding, right? It's, it's sure, yeah. really given up. So the first one is extreme and so is the second one. And door number three is simply defined as not one and not two. 
And so mm-hmm. this this sort of creative solution to a conflict may in fact be unique to every conflict. And so it's not formulaic other than that we we have established that it's not yeah, it's not one or number two, yes. Which makes sense. I mean, that definitely, within that gray area and with whatever the variables are, you work with it to a healthy outcome. Right. There's a, there's a fun story on YouTube uh, about something that happened to me at a Starbucks years ago. And I got into, the, I, you know, I was ordering some, some tea in line at a drive-thru. And when I was finished ordering, the guy behind me, you know, was not satisfied that I had moved up uh, enough for him, yeah. even though there were a line of cars in front of me and nowhere for me to go. So, you know, he yelled and insulted me. And I began, you know, being the great guru and enlightened master. My first thought was to <laughs> jump out and send him to the hospital right in front of and to be talking to my boy, you know, through thick glass down at the, at the county jail. Yeah. And, and, and then, you know, I, I regained my cool and I went up to the window and I ordered, uh, you know, I paid for my own uh, tea and, and bought coffee for the guy behind me who had done this. And it turned out he had breakfast for his whole office. And this became like this whole big internet thing. And oh, wow. Yeah, it was, he did it for the guy behind him who did it for the guy oh, behind neat. him. And that whole pay it forward thing, you're, you're looking at the guy yes. who started that meme and culture, I guess. That <laughs> That's was some amazing. Years ago, and it went all over the world. And I got like thousands and tens of thousands. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And, and all that. And, and all it was was right there that I just A decided uh-huh. that. That door number three for me mm-hmm. was not one. I didn't want to fist fight him. Not two. I didn't want to spit shine his windshield. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but number three, I just you know. And then I felt great, right? I, yes. I just bought yes. the coffee. I bought. I ended up buying this expensive breakfast. The girl selling the thing couldn't believe I really did it. I, I had to use mm-hmm. the credit card and everything. But it was Christmas after all. And and. Uh, and, and so I was cool again. So that's an example of door number three. It's really interesting because when people do something that's altruistic, the way our body works is it actually releases the, the serotonin and dopamine. And so when we do something that's not altruistic or we do something just to maybe look good, our body doesn't reward us the way it typically does when that sense of altruism kicks in. So it's really interesting that you're the, not that we do things uh, for a reward, but when we do something, we give something back that altruistic component kicks in and this, we get that hit of serotonin and dopamine. So it, 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 I definitely want to just, um, from a psychological approach, really yeah. want to confirm that as well, that when we do things that are healthy and find that, uh, that balance, all of a sudden our body rewards us as well, and then, which is pretty, pretty cool overall. I, I think it's a great point. And you know, I, I should make two little tiny follow-ups to that. Number one is that you know, for those people who think that you know, it's the law of the jungle out there, zero-sum game, you know, slice of the pie. Uh, everything is about dog-eat-dog, dog, and that's the way we're mm-hmm. wired, and that's why um, the ideals of communism or socialism, all those, those sort of utopian ideals don't work because they're not realistic. They don't care. They don't take into account how we really are. Actually, what you just said is how we really are, mm-hmm. and all that other stuff is not. Uh, exactly. Yeah. We could definitely talk about that for, <laughs> for hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, but it is so true in the sense of when people just allow themselves to just to be and to all the preconceived ideas of how they think the world wants us to be, then that is when we truly can become more self-awakened, more self-actualized. And in that, that is when we truly are alive. And unfortunately, social media, everything else around us, which is artificial, becomes how we perceive the world or the lens by which we see the world. And unfortunately, we lose sight of who we truly are or truly could be. Yes, and that's why I wrote the book, and that's what the book is all about. By the way, I said there was a second aspect to this. It is also a pet peeve of mine, and you hit it, actually, which was, <laughs> which was pretty great. Um, you know, it's not, we don't do these things. We don't do the right thing. We don't, you know, we don't take care of the guy behind us in line or in front of us. We don't do the courteous thing and stand up for someone on the bus or subway. 
because we are going to get some reward from it. Better karma, a spot in heaven, uh, a better price on a used car. I mean, this is not why we, we, we ought to be doing that. And and that is so in our in our new age culture again, in our pop culture, I should say. And and I, I don't think I think that sells us short. I think it's it ugly. Does, yes. And and I don't think that we should be satisfied in any way with a culture or a worldview in which we always have to do the right thing only because in some other level we're going to benefit from it. I remember my doctoral studies um, in one of the classes, the teacher was talking about altruism. He's like, does altruism exist? And there was this huge debate and fanfare. And I was like, it doesn't matter if it exists or not. You just do it because it's the right and healthy thing to do. And, and people are like, what? what? What are you talking about? And I was like, who cares if their altruism exists? It really is just the, the, the between, the, between us humans, between, well, not even humans, everyone, it's you should do something because that is the right and healthy thing to do. Right. Altruism is a word. It's a, con- it's a human construct like mm-hmm. religion, science, mm-hmm. or the moon, mm-hmm. right? When we yeah. say moon, that's not the moon. <laughs> that's, that's our word. interpretation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's it's really true. Lesson, right? Yeah. The, you know, it's not the moon. Yeah, that's funny. Unfortunately, our time is almost up, sir. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you, I mean, you've done so many amazing things. I know you have, um, the, obviously, this book, The Mad Monk Manifesto, a Prescription for Evolution, Revolution, and Global Awakening. Where would they find information about you and where can they purchase this book? So the book is on Amazon and other online sellers. And of course, your local bookstore either has it or can order it. Again, it's Mad Monk Manifesto, and it's Monk Yunro, Y-U-N-R-O-U, and that is my website, www.monk, M-O-N-K, Yunro, Y-U-N, as in Nancy, R-O-U. And uh, book uh, information is there, as are other things of my 15 other books and and, uh, Mm, teachings and all that. Wonderful. So my listeners know that I also will put your book one more time, The Mad Monk Manifesto, A Prescription for Evolution, Revolution, and Global Awakening in the previous guests section in the stores at both my websites, jamesmillerlifeology.com and lifeology.tv. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Um, and we'll definitely talk online about where we both live. <laughs> so have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with us today, or please go to my website where you may sign up for my free newsletter, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, or you may enroll in the Lifeology Academy where you can take self-directed courses which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. If you'd like to personally work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you soon.